Now turn to Deuteronomy chapter number five. Deuteronomy chapter number five. We're going to pick up in verse number one, and uh, then we're going to skip through a few verses here, jump on over to verse 29, and read through the end of the chapter. And if you're there, uh, let's stand together. We've got comfortable shoes on today, right? Let's go ahead and stand together in honor of the reading of God's Word. And yes, I did notice a lot of you ladies have tennis shoes on today and uh, hogging our holiday, okay? we got one chance to have one day, and our ladies jump in on that. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and let you know, I'm not wearing high heels on Mother's Day, all right? Just go ahead and write it down. Forget it. You're, look, you hogged my holiday, but I'm not going to hog yours. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter number 5. Look down to verse number 1. And a little context here. Moses is about to review and remind the children of Israel of the Ten Commandments of God uh, and how God will be merciful and God will be gracious if they repent and turn to him. And he's reiterating them to them. And we're not going to read all of them, but I want you to pick up at the beginning and the ending and see what he has to say about this. The Bible says, Deuteronomy 5, Verse number one, and Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that you may learn them and keep and do them. Verse 2, the Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive this day. He goes on down to kind of reiterate the Ten Commandments that God had given them and how they came about. And I want you to pick up in verse number 29 as he closes this out, because there's a beautiful picture of what I believe God would have us to hear today and to learn and to do ourselves today. Verse 29, the Bible says, Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Notice the exclamation point. God says, oh, that there was such a heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go say to them, get you into your tents again, but as for thee, stand thou here by me, and I will speak unto thee the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which thou shalt teach them that they may do them the land which I give them to possess it. Now watch verse 32, verse 33. The key message points will come out of here this morning. You shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you that you may live and that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Let's stop there and let's ask the Lord to bless. Father, thank you for the privilege of being here today. Uh, Lord, it's a special day because this is your day and it's always your day. This is your house. What a privilege it is to be in your house on a day that we do recognize our fathers. We're so thankful for them. Lord, for those who have a godly father this morning, I pray that, Lord, they would give you honor and praise for such a wonderful gift and for the father figures that you sent into our lives throughout our years. Father, thank you for them, and I pray you bless each one that's here today. And Father, I pray that during the message, Lord, our fathers would be challenged, but not just our fathers alone, but each and every one of us would be challenged to not only receive the message, Lord, but respond to it and to live by your words as was Israel challenged to do this morning. And I pray that, Lord, today lost would be saved, saved would be challenged. And Lord, help us just to do your will and your way, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I've been asked many times, what do sneakers have to do with our service this morning? And it's very, very simple, really. I have learned from you ladies. Uh, I learned from my wife that anytime there's a special event, it's a new cause to get a new pair of shoes. 
You know, you go out to eat, we're having, we're going to this wedding, and you know, we're going to this wedding, get a new pair of shoes, and so we go buy a new pair of shoes, which I'm glad to do for my wife, and we're going out to eat with this family, this special event, or maybe it's teen banquet or something like that, I've got to get a new pair of shoes, and I just thought to myself, Brother Brent, it's not often that we have an event to where guys get to go get a new pair of shoes. And I've always wanted a pair of Chuck Taylor Converse All-Stars, and I've always wanted to wear them at church, and I just thought it was a wonderful opportunity to do just that. And so it was by you ladies that uh, we kind of came about with this idea to have Sneaker Sunday. just gives us an opportunity uh, to buy new shoes, but really it's an illustration this morning that instead of really giving you the illustration, oftentimes we uh, put it up on the screen. I have a couple of things I'll show you this morning. Uh, but oftentimes I show you the illustration, but this morning you get to wear the illustration. And I hope this morning that as every time you put on those tennis shoes you're wearing this morning or you put on the tennis shoes that maybe you're at home that you're not wearing this morning, that it reminds you of the message that I believe God's trying to get across to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter number 5. Now, I want you to think about shoes this morning. I want you to think about sneakers and how often they're used as metaphors uh, that we use in life. Think about the statement about our children. Oftentimes we ask our kids as they're growing up if they're going to be like their mom or be like their dad. And what do we say? Are you going to fill their shoes? Maybe mom or dad, maybe dad's a carpenter. We say, are you going to fill your dad's shoes? Are you going to come behind your dad and be a carpenter? And I would do that myself. My dad was a carpenter and I would fill his shoes and become a carpenter. Uh, maybe for our girls this morning, maybe mom works at business or mom works at a, uh, a bakery or something along that line. And we ask them, are you going to fill your mom's shoes? Meaning simply, you're going to follow behind them and fill their shoes. Oftentimes, shoes are used as a metaphor, as the example that we're leaving to those that come behind us. I think we've all used the illustration before of someone following in our footsteps. Think about that this morning, following in our footsteps. This morning you're wearing tennis shoes, and I want those tennis shoes to remind us, each of us this morning, that every one of us are leaving behind footprints, and we're leaving behind a path that ultimately somebody's going to follow. I know oftentimes we think of ourselves that we think maybe we're not important, and we don't have notoriety, we're not famous, we're not good looking, we're not smart, and we're not rich, why would anyone want to follow us? But believe it or not, someone is going to follow in the steps that you're leaving behind, and it's important you leave behind the right steps for them to follow. Deuteronomy chapter 5 is showing us this truth this morning because even though those are cliches and those are metaphors where we're filling someone else's shoes, to be honest with you, I don't want to wear anybody else's shoes. All right, it just kind of creeps me out when I have to wear bowling shoes. I tell that guy, give it a couple of extra shots of Lysol when he's spraying down those shoes. Just the thought of wearing any of your shoes this morning kind of freaks me out a little bit, all right? So it's just a metaphor. But truthfully, there's a, a lot of truth in that metaphor. This morning, we're leaving behind an example for others to follow. It's kind of like that song we teach our kids when they're young. Oh, be careful, little feet where you go. Be careful. Why? Because there's someone following us. Apostle Paul alludes to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. What did he say? Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. The Apostle Paul understood, and there's a caveat in there. What did he say? Be ye followers of me, even as I'm a follower of Christ. Now, folks, look, there's nothing wrong with having good examples and following after godly men and women as long as they follow Christ. That's why you need to know your Bible, all right? Look, I hope you listen when I preach. I really do. But I hope you read your Bible at home and you know whether or not we're preaching truth. That's why so many are being led astray today is because they're listening to preachers that aren't always preaching out of the Bible and we're too lazy when we go home to get in the Bible ourselves to back it up. 
The Apostle Paul says, follow me even as I also am a follower of Christ. He says, you follow me. Paul knew he was leaving behind footprints. But folks, each and every one of us this morning are leaving behind footprints. And our shoes, to be honest with you, are a lot like signposts. Think about it. Our footprints are a lot like, are like a signpost that people can follow. Last week we were in Yellowstone National Park and there are buffalo everywhere there. I never thought I would say the phrase, but I got tired of seeing buffalo. Mainly because they blocked the traffic and our air conditioning was not working very well in the van. Uh, bless with AJ's heart, he's still up there driving home 1,900 miles in the van if the air conditioning is not working very well. And those buffalo, when they would block the road... The park ranger would not let you go forward until the buffalo had gone on around. I told him at home, we smoke them dudes when they walk out in front of us. Deer walks past, you guys step on the gas, not on the brake. Well, you get arrested if you do that there. Those buffalo would leave behind footprints, and you could tell the direction the buffalo were going because of the footprints that they left behind. Now, folks, look, people are going to be able to tell the direction of your life by the footprints that you leave behind. So it's important this morning we make sure we're going the right way and leave the right directions for those that are coming behind us. I want to tell them myself a little bit this morning. We were at Glacier National Park on Friday. Usually at the trips we take our young people on. We like to give them a fun day on the, on the front end and a fun day on the back end. The back end we went to Glacier National Park up in Montana. And we stopped at a place where there's this beautiful waterfall. We couldn't get to the top of the mountain because snow came last week and blocked all the roads. We couldn't get to the top. And we stopped at one of this waterfall. I think it was called McDonald's Falls. It was there. We saw McDonald's. We thought it would be a great place to stop, right? And so we stopped there at McDonald's Falls, and we're watching the falls. And lo and behold, there was this beautiful deer walking on the other side of the waterfall right on the edge of a cliff. Well, she kept getting behind trees, and so I kept running along the edge of the cliff so I could watch this deer and get a good picture. Well, lo and behold, someone put a guardrail up there where I couldn't go any further. But I wanted the picture real bad. And so here's what I did. I think I have a picture of the sign, the guys, uh, the one on drowning. I have a picture of it. Here was the sign. It said, leaving the trail could put you and others at risk. Drowning is the number one cause of death in Glacier. Now, notice it didn't say I couldn't, okay? It just gave me some useful information that told me that it's probably not a good idea to leave the trail. But I really wanted a picture of that deer, so I jumped over the log that they had there keeping us from going any further. And I ran down, and lo and behold, I got a good picture of the deer. But when I turned around to come back to the van, guess who I came face-to-face and eyeball-to-eyeball with? It was not Ranger Rick. It was my daughter. My daughter wanted a picture of the deer, too. And she followed in the footsteps of her dad, jumping the rail, running along the edge of the cliff by the rushing waterfall, certain death. And boy, it scared me to death. I'm thinking, what on earth are you doing here? Didn't you see the sign? (laughs) I know I didn't raise a dummy. But you see, she followed her dad's footsteps. And I hate to say it, but I led her into danger. I led her into danger. We were walking around Yellowstone the other day. I have another picture I'll show you. Pull it up right quick, guys. Walking around Yellowstone, they have a lot of signs. No dogs, no bicycles, no cigarettes, no drones, no anything. And it says, unstable ground, boiling water, stay on designated trails, slippery when wet or icy. You get off the ground there at Yellowstone, you could fall through the ground and be boiled alive. And I'll be honest to you, as I walked around the park, it kind of scared me a little bit, thinking that the direction of my feet could determine somebody's fate. That if I didn't stay on the right path and lead them in the direction they needed to go, we might be short a couple of teenagers when we came back here yesterday. 
I told them multiple times on the trip, I said, look, 95% success rate is usually a good thing. But bringing home 95% of teenagers is unacceptable. All right? Now, some of you parents may wish I would have left yours up there, but I had to bring them all home. You see, I couldn't afford to lead them in the wrong way. I had to ponder the path of my feet. I had to think about where I was going. Why? Because I was leading others. It's important that as I go along the way of life and the way the will of God for my life to understand that I'm leaving behind a path that others are going to follow. And it better be a path that's going to lead them to Christ. But unfortunately, I I fear we don't pay much attention to that. We live the life the way we want to live, and we live by our way and my way and what I want to do, thinking, you know what, it's my life, but can I tell you something? It's not just your life. Someone's coming behind you. You say, I'm going to live life my way. It's not just your way. I decided to ignore the signs and jump over the rail and go run down and get a picture of a deer. I was going my way, but watch this. My way turned out to be my daughter's way. Would it scare us this morning to think that our children follow in our footsteps? That our way would become their way. But a story about a preacher. He was preaching a funeral. Funeral was over. Folks had passed by the casket and walked out. The preacher got in the limousine to go to the cemetery. The preacher, on the way to the cemetery, had the un- unquenchable urge he had to go to the bathroom. And he says, look, I can't stop. There's no time. When I get to the graveside, I'm going to pull off and go to this, natural, this national park and use an outhouse at the national park. So the preacher gets out of the funeral procession, drives to the national park, goes in the outhouse, takes care of business, comes back out. When he comes back out, he saw the entire funeral procession sitting outside the bathroom waiting on him because he was in the lead car. And he thought to himself, no one will ever think about where I'm going. You know, I'm just going to peel off and go. And everybody had followed them there. Now, folks, can I tell you something this morning? Somebody's following you. Can I tell you, Dad, somebody's following you. It's probably a mini you. And you better leave him the footprints that are going to lead him to where he needs to go. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, let's get into the message if we could this morning. God's giving the Ten Commandments to Moses, reiterating to them, challenging them with them again. And notice what he says here. Verse number 31. But as for thee, stand thou here by me, and I will speak unto thee all these commandments. And statutes and the judgments which thou shalt teach them. Here's what God tells Moses. Moses, I want you to know the right way so that you can lead them in the right way. I want you to know the commandments and the laws and the statutes. Here's what God is saying. Moses, I want you to know my way so that you can show them my way. You see, you got to know it in order for you to be able to show it. And I fear today the reason our young people's lives look like this is because moms and particularly dads aren't taking the time to get to know what thus saith the Lord. Now, folks, look, you can't just tell them. you got to show them what thus saith the Lord. And the Bible says here, I'm going to show you so that you can show them. Now, here's why it's important. Verse number 33 shows us there's a contingency with this. Why is this so important? It says, ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you. Why? Notice this next word, that. That. That word that is very, very important. It means something's about to follow. 
The contingency is the first part of the verse. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that, here's the result, that you may live, and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. You see, the leadership of Moses was going to have a direct impact upon the lives of those that were following him. And this morning, I'm going to talk about that just for a few minutes, about leadership. Look, dads, if you're here this morning, listen, you're here and you're called by God, commanded by God to give leadership. Why? Because there's someone following you. And the contingency of those that follow you is going to be a direct result of the type of leadership you give them. Notice verse 33. Walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded, that, or a result will be this, that you may live, that it may be well with you. You may, be, may prolong your day in the land which you shall possess. Folks, I want you to understand this before we get started this morning. If we want our families to end up where they need to end up, we want our children to end up where God would desire they end up and who God desires they end up, we're going to have to lead them there. I feel we have great expectations on our young people and our children and our families to become something that they could become, but we don't have the spiritual courage to lead them there. Now, Moses is about to lead them there, and he's showing them this morning exactly the way that God would have them to go. So this morning, we're going to look at three simple things and see the end results of the footprints of our Father. God says there's three steps in verse number 33. There's three steps that I want you to take to have the end that you desire to have. And this morning, if we as dads will follow in the footprints of our Father, we'll be the kind of father that we need to be. So look down, if you will, at verse 33. We're going to stay in it the rest of the message. The Bible says, Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you. Now notice the first that. It says that you may live. That you may live. It's important that you give good leadership. He said, Moses, it's important that you know my way because you're going to show them my way and my way results in what? That ye may live. What God is covering is the most important first base that you could cover, that following God's way, number one, the footprints of our Father lead us to live. The footprints of our Father lead us to live. Now, what you're seeing here is God's desire for all mankind. If you could condense what the Bible's all about, why God says do this and not to do this, if you could condense it down into two words, it would be to live. That's what God's desire is for all of mankind. Every thou shalt not and every thou shalt in this book, can I tell you what they're ultimately about? To live, to live. You know, oftentimes we read the rules in the word of God. You look at chapter five. Let's just pick up in chapter five. You look down, look at verse number seven. Thou shalt have none other gods before me. Verse number eight, thou shalt not make thee any graven image. Verse nine, thou shalt not bow down thyself. You just keep on reading verse 11. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Verse 12, keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. And on and on and on. God is saying thou shalt do this. Thou shalt not do this. And this is just a huge book of rules. Can I tell you there's a reason behind the rules? There usually is, by the way. Young person, if I could ever encourage you with one thing, there's usually a reason behind the rules. Can I tell you what the reason behind all these rules in chapter number five is? Look at verse 33. That ye may live. That ye may live. You know what God wants for each and every one of you this morning? He wants you to live. 
You go from Genesis all the way to Revelation. God's commandments to do this or not to do this. It all culminates in the fact that God wants you to live. Matter of fact, Genesis chapter 2 verse 16. Listen to this. In the garden of Eden. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. Boy, God's just throwing out all these rules. God's just so rigid and restrictive. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Why did God have the rules? Because he wanted them to live. God says, I want you to enjoy the wonders and the splendor of all that I created. God says, I've created this perfect garden, and I want you to dwell there. Oh, what a loving father we have. That he wants us to enjoy the benefits and the blessings of his creation. I told the kids at our Bible club on Thursday, we were at Turtle Lake uh, up near Flathead Lake. Have you ever been there? It is a beautiful, beautiful lake. We're sitting there talking to the kids about heaven and telling them how wonderful heaven was. I said, there's no sickness, there's no pain, and there's no death. I said, can I tell you the best part? And they're sitting there listening. I said, the best part is God wants you to come there. God, listen, the Bible says, John 14, 2 and 3, I quoted it to them. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. God wants us to live there with him. That's been God's desire all along, that we live and dwell and have fellowship with him. And every rule in here has the reason, and the reason is simply that God wants us to live. Amos 5, 4, listen to this. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. And ye shall live. John 10, what did Jesus say? I am come that you might have life. Life. Now watch this. God says, Moses, I want you to show them my way. I want you to leave some good footprints and some straight footprints because if you'll follow my way, it's going to lead to life. Now, folks, can I tell you why so many of our marriages end in a dead end and our lives end in a dead end? It's because we're not going God's way. What did he say? Verse 33, walk in all the ways. He says, walk in my ways. And if you'll go in my way, it leads to life. Now here's what's sad. I think it ought to be written down as child abuse when we don't teach our children the ways of the Lord because God's way is the only way that leads to life. And for us to lead in any other direction, listen, it's not going to lead to life because Jesus says, I am come that you might have life. Life is only through Christ and seeking God's way. Now, folks, this morning, if we're going to leave a path that leads to life, we're going to have to follow God's way to leave those prints behind. Proverbs 16, 25, the Bible says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. The end thereof are the ways of death. You know, the reason we ought to preach God's way this morning in 2021, I know it's not popular. I know it's ruled and looked at as intolerant. You know what? When I preach against sin of what God calls sin, it's not intolerant. Well, I guess it is in one way. I'm intolerant of anything that's going to take your life. We ought to be intolerant of something that's going to take somebody's life. And the Bible says that sin, what does it end in? It brings forth death. There is a way that seemeth right into a man. Folks, listen, preach the truth in love, but understand this this morning. God's way is the only way that leads to life, and we ought to preach against everything that leads to death, right? What kind of a person would you be this morning if you didn't point out the right way that's going to lead somebody to safety? We were at a club the other day. We our first day. We were Brother Voss, missionary up there. Boy, just doing a great job on the Flathead Indian Reservation. We pulled up to Brother AJ's club. He says, now, Pastor, he says, be careful when you drop everybody off here. Parents are going to freak out when I'm telling you this. He says, just tell them to keep their eyes out when they're out there knocking doors because you see that mountain right there? I said, yes, sir. He says, well, every once in a while, grizzly bears come out of those mountains. 
I thought, are you joking? I've never had to warn kids doing a Bible club to be careful of grizzly bears. Never in my life. Thank the Lord, nobody showed up at that club the first day, and so we skipped it the second day. No joke. The second morning, we weren't there, but we went back the third day. The third day, they said, it's a good thing you weren't here. We said, why? They said, well, you see that tree right there? The, the, the game service came out and shot a grizzly bear out of that tree. I, I would have paid them to let me do it. But the boss says, you know, be careful. There's grizzly bears out here. What kind of a missionary would he be to turn some kids loose out there on the street, knocking on doors when there's grizzly bears all around? I appreciated him telling me that. He said, well, he's just so restrictive. Yeah, he's restrictive. Anything that's going to take my life. Can I tell you something, young people? If you have a restrictive mom and dad, you don't thank God for that. They're restricting you away from everything that's going to cost you your life. But folks, number one this morning, if we're going to leave tracks behind that others can follow, we need to make sure we're following God's way because God's way does what? It's the way that leads to life. Notice it says, verse 33, that ye may live. One day we were at a place called Old Agency last week. Old Agency is where the reservation was started, just older, older homes there, right on the uh, Flathead River, beautiful, beautiful river. And we're doing our, doing our club, and a gentleman walks up and began to talking to him and was just about to give the invitation, invite the young people to come to know Christ. The gentleman walks up, very kind, very gentle man, and I told him what we were doing, and he says, my family and I, we are uh, Islamic faith. Not what I was expecting to see on an Indian reservation. And I called him by name. I says, Mr. So-and-so. I says, I understand that. And I said, do you believe in heaven? He says, yeah, I believe in heaven. I said, so do we. We believe in heaven, but we believe and teach and preach according to the word of God. There's only one way to heaven, and his name is Jesus. He was very kind. He wasn't belligerent, didn't say anything to me. Matter of fact, they came back the next day, and I'll show you a picture next Sunday night. Wanted to get a picture with us. He said, well, that was awful mean for you to condemn his religion. No, I wasn't condemning his religion. I was showing him the right way, the only way that leads to life. You say, well, my goodness, that's just intolerant of you. Yes, look, you ought to be intolerant of something that's going to take somebody's life. Listen, you ought to speak the truth and speak the truth in love, but look, be sure you speak it, or else you're just going to watch somebody walk right off the cliff of eternity because you didn't want to get laughed at for being intolerant. Folks, I'm not saying be a jerk about it. I know there's some jerks out there about it. I'm not saying be a jerk. What I am saying is you ought to love them enough to point them in the right way, and that right way is verse 33. Walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded. Why? That ye may live. Now, this morning, man redefines living a lot, don't we? We might be sitting on our front porch with a glass of lemonade, and we say, man, this is living. Or maybe you're sitting in your boat, or like Brother Jim on your motorcycle, or skydiving like Miss Stacy, and you're thinking, I don't know how you call that living, you know, getting closer to dying. I don't know how skydiving is, but Brother Nate says it's a blast. I don't want to find out. And we say, well, this is living, and this is living. But can I tell you, God holds the patent on life. Did you know that? Only God can define living because he's the one who invented it. Philippians 1.21, the Apostle Paul gives us a wonderful definition. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. Can I ask you, Dad, something this morning? Are you leading your homes to live? Are you leading your homes to live? Listen to me. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. Are you leading them in the direction where they're going to meet and know Christ? That's what God has called and commanded you to do as a father. You shall walk in all the ways which your Lord hath God hath commanded you, that ye may live. Number one. 
the footprints of our Father lead us to live. But keep reading verse 33. Watch what it says. That you may live and, there's that word again, that. Here comes another result of walking in God's ways. That you may live and that it may be well with you. The second result of God's way, the Bible says that it may be well with you. That word do well or or may be well means to do well or have God's favor. So number two, notice, not only does God's way lead us to live, but the footsteps of our Father lead us to live well. They lead us to live well. Now, this is a familiar truth that I think every parent in here this morning will understand. I think if you go around the room this morning, you ask all of us what our desire is for our children. I don't think any one of us would say, I just want my kid to get by. If we can just get some C's in there, we're good on the report card. Now, you might say that from time to time because it gets tough, but you're not satisfied with a C, are you? Isn't a C average? Isn't a C satisfactory? God says, watch this, not only do I want you to live, but I want you to live well. He says, I want you to do well. I remember in fifth grade, I got my last report card in in fifth grade, and on that report card, I had a 73 in math. I barely passed. I remember, remember mom and dad had that blue couch with the flowers on it. I remember it was such a scary moment. You remember everything that happened at that moment? I'm sitting on that blue couch with the flowers all around it, right underneath the mirror on the uh, west side of our house. And dad says, you understand what a 73 is? I do. It's passed. (laughs) Wrong answer. I passed. I passed. I'm going to the sixth grade. They weren't as excited about it as I was. Like, look, you're looking at a sixth grader. Your kid passed. They weren't as excited. Why? They says, we know you can do better. We know you can do better. And my parents wanted better for me. As much as I love my parents, and as awesome as parents as they are, they're human in their flesh. And if a human in a flesh parent wants better for their children, how much does a perfect, almighty, and holy God want his children to do better? He says this, look, not only do I want you to live, but I want you to live well. He says, look, you've got to follow my way because my way is always better. I can tell you that's a fact. So many of us this morning are trying to find what the world has to offer and, and what can make us have a little bit of notoriety. Folks, can I tell you, God's way is always going to be better. God's way is always going to be better. Get into the word of God. Look, I'm not talking about this Joel Osteen stuff, all right? We're not talking about Joel this morning. He'll help you live your best life now. I'm trying to show you how God wants you to live your life now, all right? And God wants you to live a better life. That's what he calls his children to. It's a higher standard of holiness. Now, watch this. If you ask men this morning, what does doing well mean? They would really kind of tell you it means living the good life. Everybody wants to live the good life, right? Big, nice car, big, nice house, big, nice bank account, big, nice boat, whatever it is. Everybody wants a big, nice one of them, right? That's what man would call doing well. But the unfortunate thing about the good life is oftentimes the good life, here's what it really is. It's the goods life. It's only good while you got the goods. And then life is bad when the goods are gone. Can I tell you, the goodness of God is not fleeting like that. God wants to give you something that will last, all right? It's not a Ferrari. Stick with me. When you find out what doing well means in the word of God, remember this. It means security in spite of circumstance. I thought long and hard on that. How do we define what doing well means? You read the word of God, people that did well, sometimes they had rough circumstances. 
Sometimes they went through troubles and trials and had heartache and grief, and yet in the midst of it all, they just continued to do well. You know what that is? That's security in spite of your circumstance. You know what God wants for you this morning? He wants you to do well. He wants you to have security in spite of your circumstance. Let me give you an example. Daniel chapter number 1, verse number 20. Here's Daniel. Daniel's kind of exiled. Daniel's a captive. Daniel's a foreigner. The Bible says this about Daniel. In all matters of wisdom and understanding, the king inquired of them. He found them ten times better. You know the story where the king says, I want you to drink my wine. I want you to eat my meat. And Daniel says, oh, we can't do that. You know why? It's not God's way. It's not God's way. I know this is what the status quo is, and and this is what you're commanding, but that's not God's way. So Daniel says, can we do things God's way? We're just going to do things God's way. Just give us water and pulse and vegetables to eat. We're going to do things God's way. And so at the end of the day, the king compared his guys next to God's guys. And what did it say? It found them a little bit better. The king inquired of them. He found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. You know what Daniel proved? God's way's better. God's way's better. Here's what's sad. Here's what's sad this morning. We as Christians bite off on this counterfeit Christianity that if we be just like the world and act like the world, the world's going to like us more. No, the world's not going to believe us because we're just like them. They look at us, they look at them, we look just like them, act just like them, talk just like them. They say, why do I need to get rid of what I got? Because what I got is what you got. But all of a sudden, you decide, I'm going to do things God's way. I'm going to lead my home God's way. I'm going to raise my children God's way. I'm going to live my life God's way. And the world looks at your life, and it's not perfect. And the world looks at their life, and they realize you have something better. Let me give you a prime example of that this morning. Joseph in Genesis 39. Remember Joseph? Joseph didn't live the good life, but he lived a better life. The Bible says, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt. You know what that means? He was a captive. He was a slave. He's not living the good life. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites. He's been sold as a slave. He's not living the good life, is he? So the Bible says this, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Here's Joseph in the midst of horrible circumstances, and yet he has God's security. He's doing well. He's doing well. Can I tell you, I don't know what the next few years hold for America or for you. I have no idea. But I know even when the times aren't good, you can still be doing well. Why? Because our God wants to offer us not only life, but he wants us to live well. I could not help but think about the tried and true story Brother Heath has told it several times about it is well with my soul, Horatio Spafford. You know the story, he stayed behind and his wife and his four daughters are sailing uh, across the Atlantic and he's going to catch up later and the ship goes down and she sends the telegram back home and it said saved alone, saved alone. You imagine as a dad getting that text message, all of your children are gone, saved alone. He's not doing good, is he? But when he got on the ship to sail back to the place where his daughters went down, he penned the most, one of the most amazing Christian anthems. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. 
whatever my lot. You know what a lot is? It's a circumstance. Whatever my lot, whatever my circumstance. And I, I got one daughter, and I think about that this morning. Oh, I, God forbid I ever lose her. But to be able to say, it is well. Horatio Spafford wasn't doing very good, but he was doing well. Do you know why? Because he took God's way. And I don't know what you're going to face in the days and the months and the years ahead. I can't promise you things are going to turn out good. They may not turn out good, but even though they may not be good, you can do well. Why? Because God says, you shall walk in all the ways which your Lord God hath commanded you, that ye may live and that it may be well with thee. Can I ask you this morning, are you leading your kids to live good or to live well? So many of us, we, we, we paint a picture in our kids' eyes, and what a shame it is that we paint a picture of those fleeting riches the Bible talks about. And we want them to live the good life. I had a, a kid in our youth group. My dad was a youth pastor. His dad told him, he said, I want to be a missionary dad. He says, no. He says, why would you waste your life doing that when you could be, uh, I think he wanted to be in the Air Force. You know what he did? Instead of pointing me in God's way, he pointed me in a different way. Now, folks, if God wanted to be in the Air Force, then God wants to be in the Air Force. But why not point your child towards something where they could be used of God? Folks, it's not a waste of our time to serve God and to go in God's way. Because look, no matter what comes your way this morning, if you're living in God's way, you can do well even when you're not doing good. God says, if you'll just follow my way. Ephesians chapter 6, what does the Bible say to our kids? Honor thy father and thy mother which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee. That it may be well with thee. Can I tell you, young people, that's a promise from Almighty God that you may not always be doing good, but you can do well and you can have security in spite of any circumstance if you'll just go God's way. Real quickly, we see this in the life of Job. He said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, you know the guy that's saying that just lost all of his kids and lost all of his property, losing his health and lost his wife, basically. He wasn't doing very good, but he was doing well. He was doing well. Why? Because Job had decided he was going to do things God's way. Now, what a blessing it'd be this morning if our children, as they traverse this life, to be able to follow in the footsteps of a mom or a dad who chose to do things God's way. And lo and behold, they come to a rough spot in their life. They don't quit on God because they saw mom and dad go through times that weren't good, but mom and dad did well because mom and dad decided they were going to do things God's way. What a blessing. Look, do you know what our kids may encounter in life after we're gone? Does that scare you? It scares me to death. To think about what this kid may encounter after I'm gone. Times not, may not be good, but I want her to do well. Proverbs 23, 4, I'll give you this and I'll give you the last point. The Bible says, labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. That means your own way. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. I believe this morning our families could do so much better. We could do so much better. And the sad thing is this, God wants better for us. But in order to have what's better... And to do well, we've got to choose to walk in God's way. So number two, notice the footsteps of our Father lead us to live well. And then finally, look at verse 33. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you 
and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. Notice that final that. That you may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. The Bible says you can do well. Don't miss out on the blessings of God. Don't miss out on what God would desire to do in your life. Don't miss out on that. But it says now he'll prolong your days. Prolong your days in that land of promise. So here's what he's saying. Don't miss out on the blessings. Do well. He's saying here, don't miss out on the opportunity. Number three, the footprints of our Father lead us to live full. To live full. This promised land that he talks about at the end of verse 33, the days and the land which he shall possess, that promised land was an opportunity that God had provided them. If there's one thing I can say about God this morning, God's a God of opportunity. He really is, all right? I know we think God is all the thou shalts and thou shalt nots, and we're thinking, boy, God's so restrictive. No, God's a God of opportunity. I told the young people on the trip the other day, we were driving through Yellowstone, seeing elk and seeing buffalo and waterfalls and all these things here. And I said, isn't this good? I said, none of us are drunk, all right? None of us are drunk. None of us are out here living riotously. We're having a good time in the Lord. I said, you ought to be sure you thank God for this opportunity when you go to bed tonight. Thank God for that. Hey, God's a God of opportunity. And the Bible says here, if we follow in his ways, he's going to lead us to live a life that is filled with his opportunities. God says, look, follow me and don't cut that opportunity short. How often do we cut the opportunities of God short simply through disobedience? You know what? I'm going to go my way and do my thing. Isn't that how Saul lost his kingdom? Saul was given the most tremendous opportunity by God to be king. And he squandered it. Why? By doing things his own way. And God says, listen, Moses, tell the people, I don't want them to miss out on any of the opportunity. I want them to prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. He said, I want them to have plenty of opportunity. But tell them, in order to have that opportunity, they must walk in my ways. You know what's interesting about Job that we just talked about a minute ago? You know what the Bible says about Job when he died? The Bible says he was full of days. He was full of days. Not only was he full of days, his days were full. Why? Because Job said, I'm going to do things God's way. And Job found the blessings and the opportunities of God abounded in his life. Now, look, God may not give you a Ferrari. All right, don't walk out of your day thinking that. Got a pair of socks for you and some beef jerky. That's all I can do today, okay? I don't know what God's got for you, what God has planned for you, but I'll promise you it's great opportunity. But you've got to do what? Walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded. I think about Obed-Edom. Remember when they brought the ark of God home? The Bible says Obed-Edom's house was blessed. Obed-Edom says, I want it. Hey, you can put it in my house. Hey, bring it in here. You know, for a lot of people, the ark of God, I don't want that in my house. Don't bring that here. What's going to happen, man? I don't want any part of that. Hey, that's going to interrupt my life. Oh, it interrupted Obed-Edom's life. The blessings of God interrupted his life. Why? Because there was a dad who decided, you know what? I want God here. Before I came over this morning, I went back and read over 2 Samuel 9, the story of Mephibosheth. What a wonderful, wonderful story of this wounded and broken young man who could have easily been left to die. The Bible says when he came before David, he fell on his face, asked for mercy. David said unto him, fear not. For I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. Because who your dad is. He enjoyed the blessings and opportunities of royalty. Because of who his dad was. Can I tell you this morning, 
I've enjoyed so many of the blessings of God in my life, so many opportunities in my life because of the decisions of my dad. 1987, dad chose not to take the big job in Atlanta, moved us back to the end of the dirt road in Carson, Mississippi. You would think moving from Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida, the Nate knows where that's at, nice area, to the end of a dirt road in Florida, it's like Green Acres. I mean, you know, just exact opposite. You're thinking, boy, you're not doing good, but boy, you did well. Did well. Wasn't always easy. Wasn't always fun. Wasn't always pleasant. Man, we did well. Why? Because dad made the decision to go God's way. Just going to go God's way. I honestly believe, Brother Jim, that there's a good chance I may not even be preaching here this morning had my dad not chosen God's way. I looked at those kids on that club this week, and no offense to the family, the Islamic family that was there, all the kids named Muhammad. All of them named Muhammad. You know why? Because of the decision of their dad. And I think about the decisions my dad made that helped me get to where I'm at. And I wonder about your kids. I wonder if you're leaving some prints behind, if you're leaving a path behind for your kids to follow. And if they followed you this morning, where would they end up? Number one, would they live? Could your kids follow your example and your steps to meet Christ? Number one, first and foremost, they must live. Number two, would they live well? In spite of all their circumstance, would they live well? I'm not saying they're rich. I'm not saying they have all the trappings the world says is what it's successful is. But would they have security in spite of any circumstance? And then finally, would they live a full life, experiencing the opportunities and blessings of God because they followed your steps this morning? I want to have our heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment.